Hey guys, welcome back to Baby Got Backend. My name's Morgan Roberts. I'm joined today by my good friend, Annie Moliner. How are you? Hello there, Morgan Roberts. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I, I'm good. I just had this minor freak out that like, I don't, I don't think I've ever like had to pronounce your last name in any sort of context or mm. social setting or business setting or whatever the fuck setting. And I was like, did I just say it right? Did I get it right? Or did, yeah, was the that double like- A freaks people out a little bit, but you did say it very well. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. One point. I'm one for one. Let's see how we can go. <laughs> do you want to tell? I do want to tell everyone a bit about yourself, like what you do um, in this crazy in this crazy wedding space. Okay, um, I do a couple of things. I came into the wedding world as a celebrant, and I've been a celebrant for. I don't even know how many years now, six X or years. seven, I don't know. I've lost, yeah. I've lost track, but, yeah, I've married hundreds of lovely couples and very much enjoyed the job. Um, probably about three years ago, I got, or even three or four years ago, I got a crazy idea to start up a secondary business and uh, – it had nothing to do with celebrancy, mm. but it did very much feed into my desire to change up the wedding landscape and what weddings look like and how and the kind of weddings that I would like to see more of. And um, in order to do that, I had to ask people to lean to the dark side a little bit. And mm. I started up mm. a magazine called Unholy Matrimony. We will have I, – I, I really want to talk about that um, quite a bit today because I think it, it feeds into a bunch of things of that I think are regular themes in my just general conversations with wedding friends of mine, but also this podcast is, is rule-breaking and not putting yourself in too many boxes and not just saying, I'm an ex, so I'm just going to do X forever. Um, and it's like, no, have you heard of like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, et cetera things to do? And it's just like, uh, so we, I'm going to bookmark that, but I actually just wanted to say like, how, how are you? Are you okay? It's, it's August. It's early August, 2020. How do you even know that? Like, I don't, I feel (laughs) like we start. I feel like I started this podcast in this space, um, saying, okay, cool. We don't want to talk too much about COVID. And then we've had a few episodes where it's like, cool, you know, we're going to be okay now. Uh, I think Australia's somewhat dealt with it. Um, <laughs> how naive I was. Uh, and here we are, at least in Queensland, we're doing still okay, but Victoria uh, and New South Wales, but most particularly Victoria are, um, in second wave of full lockdown. And it's just not great. Um, but how are you? Well, I thought that I was home free actually, and I'd allowed yeah. myself Oh, allowed yourself. <laughs> allowed yeah. myself the luxury of relaxing yeah. a little bit and yeah. um, getting some getting some hope back that yeah. the rest of my year wasn't going to be a write off. But yeah. just today, in fact, moments before we started this conversation, I was uh, uh, tonight. I've had two different brides on the phone. One of them is. Yeah. Needing to, you know, because we've had the state borders closed down yeah. again, and that's just wreaking havoc. Because I live, I'm a, I'm a border resident. You know, yeah. I live 20 minutes from the New South Wales border, and loads of my weddings occur just over the border in Tweed Heads. Mm. And now all of my couples who are either getting married in Queensland on, you know, in, in on the Gold Coast, and they've got relatives and friends who are wanting to come here from Tweed Heads from. Mm. Byron Bay, not very far away, you know, less yeah, than an so hour. Far. They can't, they can't get across the border for the wedding. So, um, you know, I've got, I've got a bride who called me tonight, and she's like, you know, is there any chance you can marry us next Friday? We've just had the bucks, and we've still got lots of our bridal party here, and they can probably stay another week, uh, but they can't, you know, we we can't get people in from once New South Wales. Once yeah. they go out, they can't get back in. So can we can we get married next week? Are you are you available next Friday? Yeah. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy, but also but also there's that at least in that story, there's that that's beautiful. Like and the spontaneity of that. Um we've actually got a wedding coming up together in a couple of weeks and I've just been 
Like I, I, I feel like oh, those um, guys have been those, so those boys. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like I, every time I, every time, um, you know, their name comes up on my phone, I just go, oh, I just, oh, what now? And not, and not in a bad way against them, but just in a, oh, fuck. Like I just hope, I hope I can do the absolute best I can to make this an easy conversation and keep making it an easy, an easy conversation. <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, and I haven't had too many, but I feel like that's, that's just the, that's all we can kind of do. It's like, how, like, how, how can I grease this wheel? Because yeah. like, I can't stop it falling off, but I can fucking try and catch it. You know what I mean? I think uh, that's been <laughs> my approach throughout the entire thing. I've just, I resigned myself to the fact very early on, um, before I regained the hope, <laughs> but early on, yeah. I resigned myself to the fact that probably I'd lose most of my weddings for 2020. Yeah. And in doing so, half my income for the year and ha- probably half my income for next year. Because, of course, and what people don't understand is that when you postpone a wedding from this year into next year, you you cancel yourself out of an opportunity to take on a new yeah. client next year. So I've had lots yeah. of people say to me, oh, but le- you, at least you won't lose your money. You're just postponing it. So you'll make the money later. And so, No, you well, won't. Yeah, I know because every time, every time I have one of my existing couples – move to a date next year that's a new couple at least I a friday or, on. yeah at least a friday or a saturday and you know not everyone's going to be able to postpone to a tuesday at three o'clock that's or, right and or, i've not wanted to, i've not wanted to pressure anyone into doing that either i've just i just feel like everybody's losing in this situation mm. We're, everybody's yep. losing so if i'm going to lose 50 percent of my wage well i've come out of it okay actually. Um, and so I just want to be that person that they go to and they say, can we postpone to this date? And I say, yes. Yeah. I just want to, I always want to be one of the easiest parts of this process for them and Mm. support them in whatever way I can, because far out, I, my hat goes off to these couples. They've just had Mm. to Roll with so many punches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I don't, I, and I don't want to sound judgmental, but I, I really do feel like, in a way, this whole process is is I think shining a light on really who gives a gives a lot of fucks in this in this game, like who really who who is in this not because they thought weddings were this great business to get into. They were in it because actually it's something they absolutely love doing and they almost can't not do. Yeah. Um, is that fair? I mean, I don't want to also sound well, I don't um, even know whether too judgy. Or not, I don't even know whether or not it's necessary to say it. it's, shine, it's shining a light on who's in it and who isn't. Yeah. But I think that at the end of the day, the businesses who, have, who survive this, are the mm. ones to look to because they're the ones who are who won't let go, who will make yeah. it work, who aren't prepared yeah. to let go of the dream. So, um, and the ones who are willing to put in the work as well. So, if, mm. I think if you're in the events or wedding industry and you make it out the other side of this alive and you've still got a business that's um, running, Mm. My, like kudos to you, my hat goes off. It's, this is this is a shit show, and yeah. um, no small feat. So, yeah. I think that yeah, anyone who survives this is gonna is gonna be a force to be reckoned with afterwards because they'll be so robust. What do you think makes a good business? A lot of things. I think it's when um, obviously there's passion and drive there. Creativity helps a hell of a lot, um, but I think what makes a great business is when all facets of a business work harmoniously together, and mm. um, when the the projection of what that business is and the expectation of what that business is is met by the client. So what the client sees and 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 expects what that expectation is met by, by the delivery of the service. Mm. I feel like it's such a, it's such an open thing. And, and people talk about part of, part of me starting this podcast was, was really that I was sick of discussions. Uh, I was sick of just seeing 
a whole bunch of discussions out there that were that was it was all about either creating stuff or it was all about scaling your business and doing this and being awesome and being the best entrepreneur and like sign up to my course and do all this. And it, it just felt like those were the two extremes yeah. and no one was actually having a conversation about like, no, like what's, what's actually happening every day and what does this actually mean? And what even is success? Um, because it's just such a word that's thrown at the wall and you know, the, 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 the feces of the word success of thrown at the wall. It's just kind of like, ah, I I don't feel like anyone really defines it that well too often um, because you have to define it for yourself. But we just see so much noise, I think. We see so much noise and we have a a whole bunch of false measurements. One of the other things that I do is I I run a Facebook group predominantly for newly registered celebrants. So um, there are about 200 freshly minted celebrants in that group and I'm mentoring them some of them on an individual level and some of them just within the group itself and one of the things that I said really early on to them because I was getting a lot of questions from them about Mm. marketing and about creating a brand for themselves and about putting themselves out there and winning the work Mm. and I just said right now more than anything else, what you need to focus on is actually being good at the job. Mm. Because if what you put out into mm. into the world, if you're like you could you could create an amazing logo and an amazing brand yeah. and persona and everything for yourself and people might gravitate towards you for that and you might actually win lots of work. It could even, you know, it could even work in in your favor, your plan could come off. Yeah, but yeah. if they hire you for your wedding and that their expectation of you as a celebrant isn't met, you're not a good storyteller. You're not great at hustling the crowd, you know, together for group photos at the end, or you're not you're not even a great speaker. If mm. that if you fall short when it comes time to actually delivering the job, that's when you run into big problems. And I think. I th- I think at the moment with all small businesses, there's way too much focus on image. I think businesses yeah. are so image conscious that their service delivery has fallen by the wayside a bit, and their customer service and their care and their yeah, you know that part of the job that used to be everything before the internet. Yeah, because um, that was how people found out about people was through word of mouth because you know, someone did a good job and that would be mm. the strongest form of advertising. But now with the, with the internet and with Instagram and you can, you can look at somebody's business, but all you have via Instagram, but what, all you're ever seeing is like a polished postcard square of what they want to, to, to yeah. play. Um, and it's the real, the real trick is getting the follow-on business, is getting the word of mouth and is getting other vendors who want to recommend you, who want to work with you because not because you've got a cool brand but because you are cool and you are good at the job. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it just reminds me and I was talking I was talking to someone the other day about this same thing is, that, you know, there's, I mean, you know, I'm in some photography Facebook groups. I'm, I'm not in too many. You know, there's only a certain amount of hours in the day. But um there was, a, I just reminded of this great post. It was a few months ago now, maybe even a year ago or something. And it was just, you know, oh, how do you guys who are doing it full time, you know, how do you do it? Um, not necessarily asking for silver bullets. I don't think the question was was um, positioned in such a naive way, but it was just like a, it was one of those moments of, oh, how the fuck do you guys do it? Um, someone wanting to make the leap. And it was just like post after post after post after post after post of stuff. And, and, and all of it, good advice. And this is not to, um, throw all any of that advice under the bus, but it was a good 20 comments down, like 20 replies to this post down where, um, a really quite well-renowned Melbourne wedding photographer, Eric Ronald, he just comments, you know, it, I don't know why anyone hasn't spoken about the work yet. (laughs) And it was like, fuck, <laughs> like how do we, how do we, how do we get this far where yeah. the noise has just become the conversation? 
Yeah. Um, how do I get likes? How do I get yeah. How do I <laughs> put myself out there? Yeah, totally. And and the, the, the you know the conversation was not so so vacuous, but it was definitely a lot of stuff that wasn't necessarily about making fucking great photos and being awesome, like like being able to grease the wheel, like because that's literally it. Like make a great product and make that product so awesome that you can't not. Uh, that, that that someone can't just recommend you. Yeah, and um, that when somebody needs someone to f- fulfill that that service yeah. or that need, that you're the first person they think of because you're the best at it, the best at the job, mm. not the best mm. at advertising. Mm. And not the best at like, it's not even like I find that now a lot of people are relying also on networking as mm. you know, and it's great to have community. It's great to have friends within the industry, but you still have to actually be good at the job. I think that's mm. the bottom line. Do you do you feel like can you identify clear clear points when you look back on now? You've been doing this for a while, um, and and the other thing, and here's the other thing is because you can't just look at your career as a celebrant in in a vacuum. You know, um, like I started doing video recently, and it's just kind of one of those things of. I can't, I'm not looking at the first ever, you know, wedding video or corporate video or whatever I'm doing in a vacuum. Like I've got a lot of runs on the board already because I've been photographing for 15 years. So like I, I, I you know, there are things that are going to be good because I have an understanding of X, Y, Z, but it's just like, I, I, you know, in terms of looking back on, I guess your six years, these points of growth and these points of uh, you know, where are there some points that you can look back on and go, oh yeah, that's where I really pushed this, and that's where I really grew and um, expanded my understanding and expanded my skill set. Yeah, I guess I can identify points at which I uh, I realized my my value, and I I realized um I realized my potential as well in terms mm. of what what I could make wedding ceremonies feel like. And mm. I when I first started out, I do remember feeling very much like uh, there was a mould I needed to fit into uh, in order yeah. to be a celebrant, in order to look and sound like a celebrant. I had to dress a certain way, deliver ceremony in a certain way, follow follow some um unspoken rules you know i we gathered here today yeah well you know it yeah it's it was more um i think it was those like that's an obvious one you know all of that that kind of talk using that kind of talk but i think what was less obvious um in the beginning when i first started out and became more obvious was that there was this real uncomfortableness from existing celebrants who were seeing, who had been in their roles for a long time and who were seeing this wave of change come through Mm. and really, Mm. really resisting it. Mm. Um, Because the role of the celebrant used to be a community service one. Mm. And um, it was like couples didn't used to feel like they had creative control. There was mm. ceremonies were quite, quite prescriptive and mm. there it was very much a, here's a book of different ceremonies. Choose the one that you like best and insert, yeah. insert your name here. Choose, choose the one that you hate the least. Yeah. And <laughs> you know? they were, and people Fucking would, still hate it. <laughs> I, well, it was sort of what I did for my own wedding, you know, and I didn't yeah. even question it at the time. It was just so expected. So yeah. I think I can identify key points in time when I really started to break through those barriers or limitations, I would say. Yeah. Um, and start to explore what we could do and how great it could actually be and how um, how much it could mean. And yeah, I, when, when I really felt like 
I had the confidence and ability to start looking into that more. I um I really saw my business start to transform and I can remember yeah. walking away from my first ceremony that I'd written um from scratch and yeah. had to- like I totally did away with all of my old materials and wrote, and huh. I remember sit- I remember sitting down yeah. at this ceremony and going no you know I'm I'm starting from scratch I'm going to write this like I want to write it I'm going to deliver it the way I want to deliver it and it was so well received and I just remember walking away from that ceremony and like, you know, the internal fist pumping and thinking like that, yeah. you know, I've, I've cracked it and I know what, yeah. I know what to do now. Um, yeah, totally. And yeah, after that, honestly, it, it just, I feel like I went, the, my business just went forward in leaps and bounds and people started coming up to me and saying, I've never, I've never seen anything like that before. I've never, mm. seen, I've never seen a celebrant do anything like that before. I've never seen a ceremony delivered in that way. That was incredible and so meaningful. And yeah, that felt really good because that was exactly what I wanted. So, isn't yeah. it funny how when you start, or, or or not necessarily start, because we're always doing elements of the things that we want to do, but the when when you really start embracing fully the work that you want to make. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Writing the way I want to write, speaking the way I want to speak. Yeah. Connecting with people the way I want to connect with them. Um, and, and facilitating that connection for my couples as well. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think, I think making, when you, when you take risks, I just think like, this is a great time to talk about unholy matrimony because, because that's a bit of a risk. Oh my god! Uh, it was so, it was I, huge. It was so huge. I can't even tell you how nerve wracking and the unveiling of unholy matrimony was. Not even I think you've tried to tell me a few times, <laughs> but not even just because it's not um, aligned with my celebrant brand, which I felt, felt I found really difficult because I felt I would be judged. Like what? It's exactly what you were saying before about, um, you know, people say, f- feeling like they have to fit into a box. Or well, just because mm. I'm a, a happy and bright person, and I do this role as a celebrant, it doesn't mean that I don't have av- other facets to my personality, and I don't have other things that I like to explore. And you know, I think that m- probably my music taste would surprise people quite a lot. Um, yeah, and you know, I my my taste in art and literature would surprise people a lot as well it leans very much into like um dirty reality and mm. drama and um i love black arts as well you know i think i think it's easy for people to look at me as as celebrant lady love and yeah. say and ask how the fuck did she create unholy matrimony? Yeah, it's yeah. Except for me, I'm a like, paradox. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't really shock me. I mean, as someone who knew you, like I met you through the industry, but it was also like, like, it was like, cool. Okay, cool. I get this. I can understand why this is a thing that piques your interest. Slash. Yeah like runs through your veins. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because um, it's a love job, you know, that unholy matrimony makes me zero dollars. <laughs> I'm happy to put that out yeah, in yeah, the world. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> it's, um, I think that's a really good point to bring up because I feel like that that's something that I, that, that's a concept that I just want to, that I do want to bring up on this, in this podcast. It's like the actual, the actual reality of these creative things. And like, no, no, like, I don't make money on X, but we do it. And that's a decision I make that is building to something that is bigger than the sum of the parts. Yeah. Um, And people also assume that when you have a lot of followers or you have a magazine that you have money and that you're financially successful, not just um, socially. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. Um, Just in terms of, I mean, this is a a somewhat reductive um, 
and somewhat reductive. No offense to Taylor Swift, but I was listening to her new record today. It was just kind of mm-hmm. like thinking about that same thing of like, here's, here's, here's a creative who's been put in an absolute box yeah. and has, and has actually emerged not once, but twice now, you know, from sort of the country, country pop country to pop um, mainstream. And now like I saw yeah. this great tweet the other day, which was Funny, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Taylor Swift skipped triple J went straight to double J. I was like, I think that's a pretty, I don't think that's entirely accurate because it's still pretty <laughs> accessible music, but I was just kind of listening to it and enjoying it and going, this is just good. I'm just listening to this and it's enjoyable and it's not X and thinking about that idea of, well, you can't do that because that's not what you do. And it's yeah. like, oh, get fucked. Like uh, yeah. I make whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. And I, I think, um, not just as a business owner, but as a woman, mm. I find that I do get well, people try to put me in a lot of boxes. Mm. Um, you know, they expect and want f- for me to look and behave a certain way based purely on the fact that I'm a woman. Mm. Um, they don't, it's, it's hard for some people to see, um, to see women take on things like, uh, a magazine for goths and vamp, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. turn around and wear a pretty summer dress. I just, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I feel like my whole life I've had a lot of expectations put on me, and mm. um, a lot of, I probably, and I probably have put them on myself as well, which is why I felt nervous to unveil unholy matrimony. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think that it's certainly – it's not just possible to have many facets and fa- uh, to, to your personality and to, um, to your businesses, but I think it's necessary. You yeah. know, I think mm. if everybody leaned into what they were really, really passionate about, imagine – the amazing things that would be created if people moved forward uh, with their ideas in a fearless, fearlessly transparent manner. It would be mm. so cool. Mm. Mm. So yeah, that unholy matrimony is my is my passion project. It allows me to write, um, and not just write. It allows me to write about things I care about. It allows me to connect with like-minded individuals both in and out of the industry. Um, But more than anything, it allows me to create something that I feel is valuable and really fucking beautiful. The Mm. magazine is, um, I don't know, for anyone who hasn't actually held it in their hands, it's a fine art. It's a beautiful magazine. Yeah. Like, and even from issue one, it was a beautiful magazine. And issue one was, keep... I feel like issue one, I'm a little, I can't even look at issue one now because I look at the quality yeah. of it and the, the paper stock <laughs> and everything and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, it makes me a little bit cringy because we've, it's come so far since from, from issue one. I think uh, issue two and three are magnificent <laughs> and I'm so proud to let people hold them and, and, and I kind of just push issue one under the carpet a little bit. Like, that, that was our, that was our oh, practice poor. run. <laughs> I guess the thing, you know, that we have when we look back on our older work and like it's okay that we've grown and it's okay that we have can sort of pass some sort of judgment. It's just like, oh, yeah, and I know why that was bad. And, you know, I can clearly identify the things that I changed to make that that, that better. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I just think it's great and I just think it's totally like a huge part of it for me as well is what, why I like it is because it's, um, I mean, figuratively, it's it's a really good middle finger to a lot of the the pretty white summer dress-wearing wedding space which is I think that's okay that that exists and that's fine but I just think it's a great way of saying no but we are here too and you can have this and this is valid and that's okay and you don't just have to have what you know the script the prescribed the prescribed way just talking about you know how you thought you had to be as a celebrant in the beginning exactly right yeah I think it's a beautiful thing 
to mm. bust out, mm. and break free, and do what you want to do, be what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, how do you find like managing, how do you manage the two sort of brands? I know that one is, you know, one is um, your income and the other is the passion project, but they're certainly related. They're certainly in the wedding space. So how do you manage the two um, businesses basically? Um, I manage them independently from that. Mm-hmm. I don't let uh, one doesn't feed into the other or anything like that. They're completely independent entities. Mm. Um, I manage them through mostly, I do a lot of my accounting, a lot of my um, uh, client management, file keeping document filing, all of that through a program called 17 Hats, which is a CRM. Mm. I do, I, I, I run them as obviously separate businesses, but through the same program. Mm. Um, so I do all my invoicing through there. Mm. Um, my receding, everything is done through 17 Hats. And if 17 Hats were to suddenly <laughs> disappear, I would be absolutely up shit creek. <laughs> Um, you know, I've talked before about the Franken system I've made uh, to do my CRM. And I just, I, I, I also think in terms of like, in terms of actually managing it and also in terms of just having them both existing in your brain, uh, I, I know what, I know kind of what that's like in, in terms of having a whole bunch of different interests and areas of your life. But in terms of having two, I would say professional professional things that you're working on because they're both professional things um uh it, it, like having having them sort of juggling the balls in the air i guess is what i'm asking i mean what's it's, what's that like yeah um for you i think juggle is a is a perfect word word to describe it because well at the moment fuck me i feel like i'm juggling water because yeah. <laughs> covid yeah. has totally destroyed all of my um, what I thought were fairly <laughs> foolproof systems because mm. I've had to relearn how to do things or, um, yeah, adapt to the changing environment. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think what I try to do is because I do – I probably do an average of about 100 weddings a year and yeah. some of those I DJ as well. So, yeah, cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so (laughs) making sure that I, like, if you think about this, if you think about the fact that there are 360, 65 days in a year, and then I'm delivering a hundred weddings, it's not just a hundred events I have to attend because I meet with my clients usually twice before their wedding as well. So that's Mm. 300 events that I have to attend. And Mm. then around all of that, I'm doing all of my administration I don't have anyone um, that does any of my admin or my accounting or anything like that. I do mm. everything myself. So um, I try to I try to work in blocks. Um, I have to actually have to put aside like I have to decide. I, I try really really hard to single task. Um, so what I do is I'll usually start every day and make a a list of all the things that I need to have done for Mm. by the end of the week, everything, everything I can possibly think of and then break it down into, you know, prioritize those tasks. Uh, You know, Mm. I always start every single year going this year, I'm going to use Mondays for accounting and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But it never works like that because the wedding world is so unstructured. When you work in weddings, it's such an unstructured working environment, and and which is ironic because weddings, to me, historically and still traditionally, you know, today, feel like this thing that's quite structured. Like there's there's a clear there's a clear elements and parts of the day that happen. It's so often on a fucking Saturday at three p.m. There's a celebrant. There's like people wearing dresses and suits, and like most of the time. Um, you know, or two dresses or whatever combination of clothing you have. But, you know, oh, there are these things that, that occur and it's like, cool, I, I got this. Like I've got the system. I'm, I'm aware of the, 
I, I'm in, I'm inside the rigmarole, you know, yeah. and then outside of the actual fucking wedding, it's like, cool. Anything goes. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, honestly, like, you know. um, two weeks ago I was leaving for a wedding and it was 11.30 in the morning and I had to drive to Byron Bay and I, I'd been in touch with the bride the night before and she'd sent through her vows and um, she was like, he will send them through tonight as well. Anyway, I waited and waited and 11.30, still nothing from him. And I thought to myself, I bet you he sends them after I leave. He's going to send them through after I leave. So I just thought I'm not going to transfer everything on to my onto my Kindle. I'm not going to finalize the ceremony. I'll just have to do it when I get there. And I think that's the thing with weddings is that there are always last minute changes. There are always mm. you're subject not just to the whims of the personalities that you're working with. You're subject mm. to the whims of Mother Nature if you're mm. if you're yeah. outside. Oh, yeah. you know, you're delivering oh, yeah. delivering. Um, weddings either on the beach or in the wilderness or wherever it might be. So um, there are so many variables and you have to be able to think on your feet and accommodate those things and not get too, not get too attached to set plans because so often they, those set plans go awry. They're like best, best intentions. (laughs) Yeah. Not even, you know, even without COVID. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) COVID's just an extra layer for this. Like this is different. I would never, ever have a couple calling me, you know, two weeks before their wedding going, okay, so I think we've finally got a reception venue that can hold it. (laughs) We've got to have one five metres between the space between each people. They've got got people and they need a venue that can fit 150. Um, Yeah. And, you know, changing their venue two weeks out and calling me again and going, um, okay, so can we actually do it at this time because I need to, you know, all of these details. Yeah. And I just keep, I'm yeah. like, yeah, 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 let's yeah. do it, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. The COVID has made everything, has, that's all, it's magnified those variables by yeah. one million variables. percent. But yeah. the variables exist with, a, with or without a pandemic. What's keeping you going through this then, I guess? Um, For me, it's kind of like there's always these little things that you can just do and little projects that I sort of happen to be working on and and stuff. What's it it like for you? (laughs) Well, I was one of the people who uh, didn't get any government support. So Um, I had to, oh, God, I hate to say this. I had to pivot my business. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I hate that word. I don't know why. It just sounds so <laughs> try hard. Um, so fairly quickly I realised um, that if I didn't do something, um, I was going to be one of those businesses that didn't make it through. So yeah. Um, and I was going to have to go out and get another job, which I just could not bear the thought of. Yeah. So yeah. Um, what I did was I started up this mentoring program and um, I hooked up with a graphic designer and a um, branding consultant and I've put together workshops, branding workshops where people can, you know, they mm-hmm. participate in a branding workshop, they get a logo created for them, they've got an option to build a website afterwards um, and then they get a lot of um, business coaching and stuff from me along the way as well. So it's a mentoring program, basic, not just for new celebrants, but that's what, who it's, who, it's, who has been easiest for me to market to, um, because I have a lot of them already following me and I've had a lot of them previously contact me asking me for mentoring, but I didn't have the time and space to take them on. So COVID gave me the opportunity to expand in that way. And I had always liked the idea of mentoring, but like I said, when, when you're running a hundred weddings a year and a magazine, they're just, there was just not even enough time for myself, let alone someone else. So, um, it's, it's given me that time. Um, and I've been able to, uh, create some workshops. I ran one face to face workshop which was on um story writing 
and ceremony writing and um, how to how to get the best info out of out of your clients and how to create mm. kick-ass ceremonies. And that was a huge success. And so I've now got people asking me to run yeah. that yeah, yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to create, I'm going to put that one on, online because I've got, cool. I've got um, people wanting to, to participate in that. Even overseas, I've got people from America and um, the Netherlands as well and Canada. So um, they're all wanting me to, to run workshops for them as well. So um, I'm doing that and doing the branding and oh, that's amazing. Creating creating websites for people. Um, and we've probably Dude, that's got like I'm good, I've got about like um, eight clients at the moment who I'm um, directly mentoring and um, helping with their branding journey and yeah, just helping them actually start up their business and implement good systems from the beginning and yeah get things to a point where get them to a point where when all of this shit is over they feel like they can hit the ground running yeah holy shit that's amazing in terms of those in terms of like how you're trying to get those people up and running like what are what are some of the things that you're actually recommending them to do like I mean, I know that you use 17 hats, but like you'd defer to that. But are there others that you've, mm. other thi- other things and other ways of doing things or even just other small suggestions? That Definitely. You like, hey, so you can many do this, things. Guys. Like you know? so, so many things that I wish that I had known early on and um, just mm. really helpful little tips and tricks. Like um, I use a program called Celebrant Easy, which is a form generated program, but now also links into mm. New South Wales um, births, deaths, and marriages, and Victorian births, deaths, and marriages. Oh, and so it's cool. about to, it's about to link into to Queensland as well. So, it's so um, my admin and paperwork time is, oh my god, quartered using this yeah using this program. Um, and it's so cheap yeah. and it's so effective. And so anyway. You know, giving giving um, tips like that instead of I remember the first I don't know thirty or forty weddings I did I was handwriting out everything three or four yeah. times it was taking me so long. Oh my God, I just didn't know e- that's I didn't crazy know that that kind of software existed because nobody told me. I couldn't believe that I'd done these done this course. I'd got my cert for I'd you know, been registered. Why wasn't, why didn't I just get an email from some government body that said, congratulations, you've been registered. Here's some helpful information. Here's a list of resources that might be useful to you. That just, yeah, you get your rego and they just, they're they're like, see you later, have fun, good luck. And nobody's, good luck. Nobody's checking in to make sure you're going okay. You, you just become a bit of a, um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's not that I expect this at all. Cause this is not why, you know, but uh, you know, you don't go to university to do X, but it's just funny when people talk about like, you know, uh, cause I, I've literally done a photography degree and it's like, how much in my photography degree did I learn about how to run a wedding photography business? Like, yeah, uh, yeah not a lot guys, but like, it's kind of that thing. It's like, Hey, here you go. And it's like, figure it out. But like, the, the, I mean, you know, that's a, I think a somewhat, um, you know, vapid way of, or is that the right word? A, a somewhat cynical way of talking about it, but it's, but it's true. It's like, you know, that's, that's not their job, but like the BDM, I don't know, like they, they should be sending that stuff out. They should be saying, Hey, considering uh, we are government representatives, it just, it just needs someone yeah. in an organization to have a bit of initiative. And I just think, that's just another example that I've seen in the whole system, the whole world, the whole system of all this stuff. It's just lack of initiative. Yeah. I think that there's this weird assumption yeah. that once you've got a degree or a certification, you automatically know how to... To show some initiative. If that's the takeaway, with you know, 50 minutes in this podcast, if that's the takeaway for this episode, show some goddamn initiative, guys. That's it. That's my... That's that's Annie and Morgan's tip <laughs> out in the world. I think that yeah, that's that's. But you know what? I think people genuinely come into this with the idea that they want to 
they want their business to look and feel and behave a certain way and for them to experience this certain amount of success. Mm. But they, they, they seriously underestimate the work that goes into setting a successful business within the wedding industry or anywhere else up. Like, and that's mm. stuff that you do. It's knowledge and skills that you accumulate so, um, uh, proportionately along the way, you know, that's so yeah. like little, little tips and tricks that, you don't know, even if there's not even these massive aha moments, it might just be one little click of a button that's made your life marginally easier on that day. And then, you know, to do that yeah. next time. And I think that's why when we think about business systems and we think about, um, the way that we run our businesses is that when we, like if we had to hand it over to somebody else to complete our tasks, I don't think that they would be able to because even though I've got these systems in place, there are a million different workflows and stuff that I do instinctively because I've been mm. on this, um, on this, you know, journey for so many years now and I've been working to hone and polish and make everything as, as, um, as accessible and um, orderly, I suppose, as I can. Mm. But I, if I was to get somebody else to step in and do this for me, hire an admin person, it would take them. It would take me so long to train them because I don't even. I'm not even aware of my own um, tiny steps that I do in between yeah. the massive ones that are obvious. And I think yeah. those tiny steps that are the probably it's probably where the most value lies when you've got to teach someone else and you give them those tricks it's like well if i'm going to create a workshop if i'm going to ask people to to learn from me i need to be aware of what those little things are and and take the initiative on um finding ways to to impart that knowledge to finding ways to go yeah. okay this is what i did to make my life easier and to make my business better it's not it's not just that i use 17 hats it's that i use 17 hats in conjunction with this 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 and i do these the x y yeah. in between yeah. all of that yeah um cuz me I mean, telling someone that i use 17 hats is well totally totally absolutely yep yep i agree um i i show some initiative i guess Go yeah. figure some stuff out, guys. Like there's so much to figure out. Um, I hope that we've shared a few things in this episode again. It was this great. Um, it was great. I got a great message from a mate, you know, after the first couple of episodes saying, oh, loving the podcast. Not a lot of back-end stuff. And then it just made me th – but it was a really good app. And he meant it in a way that was super supportive. I think it was just a offhanded comment. Um, yeah. But it just made me think about what is backend, and it's like, well, I think it's not just—it's not just programs. Back, no, backend, backend, fucking all your—it's your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's systems, but it's not necessarily um, t like systems of technology. Mm. It's systems of people. Of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of pro it's processes. So, and yeah, those. I guess. Developing those processes is going to be unique, a unique experience to every single um, individual. But in our industry, I think that the one thing people should be most pre prepared for is to be flexible because, yeah, yeah, like we, like we are earlier. Yeah, specifically now, but also just all the time. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. It's a change in landscape. Where can the people of the internet find you, Annie? Um, you can jump on my website, celebrantladylove.com. Um, it's getting a little bit of a makeover at the moment to accommodate sure. the new changes. I'm no longer a one-woman show. I've got a couple of other celebrants working under me. We're, we're got a Sydney celebrant and another one in Byron Bay. And, cool. yeah, more to come, actually. There's, Amazing. It's um, lady Lo Celebrant Lady Love will shortly be Lady Love Industries. So watch out oh, for yeah. that. That's awesome. Mm. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and also unholy matrimony. Um, unholy matrimony. dot com. dot au. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. You can awesome. you can read unholy matrimony for free online at the moment. Where as soon as COVID hit, we made all of our every single one of our um, issues is now free to read digitally. So amazing. 
Um, if you've got some some downtime, which I think a lot of us do at the moment, there's some golden ar- articles in there from some really, really interesting, diverse people. So jump in. But if you can, honestly, pick it up because it is genuinely like a nice thing to hold and a good. It's a good physical thing. Yeah, well, we've sold out of hard copies, so you can't. Oh, you're oh, you're done. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, we sold out of the hard copies, but issue four is going to be released in November. Um, yep. We tend to do fairly small runs of hard copies, um, so it's always best to jump on the pre-order if you want to get a, a hard copy. Um, digital, obviously, that's that's. Uh, I have, we have infinite <laughs> digital copies <laughs> of the mag, so um, yeah. If you want to, if you want to actually hold it and experience it for reals, which I highly recommend doing because it's it's a glorious little bit of little piece of art. It's a yeah, really. I'm I'm really proud of the magazine. It's mm. you should be. It's um, it's got lots of great words and great images and great people in it. So yeah, highly recommend getting your hands on a copy if you can. Uh, that's all for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for coming on, Annie. I, I had a really good chat. It's nice to be back. It's nice to be back, guys. Uh, Long overdue, this chat. Yeah. Oh, this is <laughs> – here we go. Guys, um, If you here's a bit of back-end advice if you're ever starting a podcast. Be prepared for multiple just catches up on catch, – catch-ups on the phone and conversations about potentially buying a microphone and then your kid's being sick and <laughs> raining all the other on the things. night you want to record. and Yeah, that's right. And then it's like, cool, awesome, we finally got it. And I feel like it's been about two months in the making. So <laughs> be prepared for the long game because nothing happens in this game uh, overnight. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. Oh, my God. Um, with feel- that 90s reference, I'll leave you. <laughs> Beautiful people. <laughs> I'll see you for thanks, Annie, for coming on, and um, I'll see everyone next episode, whenever it may be. Goodbye. Farewell.